With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometers of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool center, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, good afternoon everyone, all Sports Day WA listeners. Gee, it's great to be here on this Thursday, the final Sports Day program for the week. Thanks to Hayes, who joined yours truly for the run home. We'll be back again tomorrow between 3 and 5, so we're looking forward to that. What's coming up on the program? We've got the top seven uh, Sports stories of the week. We wrap up the week with the top seven. Looking forward to giving you those. As well as that, we'll speak to Adam Vogis, the WA cricket coach, after another impressive performance. We didn't get the outright win yesterday against Tasmania. It was a pretty much a flat track at the WACA ground, but there was a, a lot of positives to come out of that. Cameron Bancroft making runs. A couple of the young bowlers uh, took wickets. So we'll speak to... Adam Voges, and also talk to him about Cameron Green as well and get his thoughts on where the West Australian and Australian all-rounder is at at the moment. Of course, came onto the scene in a blaze of glory. Everybody was giving him huge raptures of what he could possibly be. He just hit a bit of a uh, brick wall in recent times. He's lost his place in the World Cup uh, starting 11 to Marcus Stoinis, and he's pulled out of the BBL. He won't be playing, so... Adam Vogus is in contact with Cameron Green, so we'll have a chat to him about that a bit later on. And as pointed out in the run home, I'm going to cross to New Zealand, actually, and I'm not sort of hiding this. So I did speak a bit earlier because there is a five-hour time difference between Perth and New Zealand. I did speak earlier to a gentleman who is getting quite excited. His name is Daniel McCarty. He's the SENZ Mornings host. Because And he's calling the All Blacks games uh, coming up. There's probably two remaining. The semi-final, that comes up against Argentina on Saturday morning our time. And then the World Cup rugby final, probably against South Africa. They take on England in the other semi-final. And both of the nations have won three World Cups. So whoever wins this one will be the outright leader. But it's an exciting time for New Zealand sport. And they could win two World Cups in two populous world sports. And we're talking about rugby and we're talking about cricket because last night they were good again. They've now gone from four games, four wins, and they certainly had a comfortable win against Afghanistan, who are no slouches by any stretch of the imagination because in their previous outing, 
We know that Afghanistan defeated England. So uh, I'll speak to Daniel McCarty a bit later on. All right, uh, let's have a look for Cobram uh, Estate, uh, the good oil for Cobram Estate, the premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. Regarding a couple of the big stories of the day, and there's no question that Joel Smith from the Melbourne Football Club is the biggest story, was tested after the round 23 match between Melbourne and Hawthorne. On Sunday, August the 20th, it was notified by the Sport Integrity Australia unit last week in relation to his finding of uh, cocaine in his system and the AFL was made aware of the test results at the same time. So it came out last week. Uh, details only released today. No comment now to be made further regarding uh, the situation from the AFL, the Sports Integrity Unit, and the Melbourne Football Club. So quite a significant story there. And there's talk that he could be ousted and probably won't be seeing any AFL football in 2024 and possibly beyond. They're talking about 12 to 18 months uh, is the early forecast for the penalty on Joel Smith. But uh, it needs to play out. And the other story that certainly has caught my attention, uh, and we may do more of it, Later in the program, if I get the return call from the CEO of Rugby League WA, is that the NRL is reportedly getting ready to announce Papua New Guinea will be given a licence to be the competition's 18th team. After years of posturing and bickering, the Australian Rugby League Commission is reportedly at the pointy end in its search to find the best host city for its new club. As we know, Perth... And WA Rugby League has been fighting tooth and nail over many years to try and get the National Rugby League to house a team here after the Western Reds was part of the Super League many years ago. Now, a report dropped today suggesting the battle between the competing bids is now down to a one-horse race. This is from a document with Australia's northern neighbour all but certain to get the nod. Now, the league has been forced to rush its process, desperately needing an 18th team following the Dolphins' successful entry in the competition this year as the league's 17th team. So there's been an imbalance. They need to get to 18. It also seems a government cash splash has been too hard for the league to say no to. As I mentioned, and as has been documented, the federal government and even the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has on record stated he'd love to have Papua New Guinea in the Australian Rugby League or the National Rugby League to enhance the fortunes of that part of the region that Australia is so closely connected to. So there is so much happening behind the scenes and my mail is it's simply a one-horse race, according to an NRL journalist in Michelle Bishop. Uh, she stated that today, PNG in to the competition in 2025 to become the 18th franchise and WA's weight will continue even further. A couple of the major sports stories today for Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. Very shortly, we'll get into our top seven stories of the week, but let's firstly welcome Adam Voges. He's the WA cricket coach. Uh, another good performance by the WA boys in the game against Tasmania yesterday. It was a draw, but there were certainly some uh, positives to come out of that game as WA cricket continues on its very, very impressive winning run. Six minutes past five. Adam, thanks for joining us on the program. 
G'day, Peter. Well, as a man, when you were playing uh, of great rapport when it came to batting, I reckon you would have enjoyed batting on the Wacker track over the last four days in the Shield game against Tasmania. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the batting uh, or the batters from both sides certainly enjoyed the the last four days. Probably not the uh, the traditional Wacker wicket that certainly we've had over the last couple of years. Uh, didn't have the, the same covering of grass um, and, and probably not quite the, the bounce and pace. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was pretty batting friendly. Having said that, you still had to get them. And I thought Jordan Silk played really nicely for Tasmania and then uh, Sam Whiteman matched him and uh, that partnership with Cameron Bancroft at the top um, set us up for that big first innings total. Yeah, we'll come back to Cameron Bancroft and Sam Whiteman a bit later on. But saying that... Uh... It's a funny game, cricket, and at one stage yesterday in the mid-afternoon, you'd snared five wickets from Tasmania, and the prospect of an outright victory was really there. Yeah, it was. We we sort of spoke about it yesterday morning uh, before the start of play, that if we could get between 100 and 150 in front and, and take a couple of early wickets, then we thought we could put the Tasmanians under a bit of pressure, and uh, credit to our bowling group, I, I thought they did a terrific job. They... Um, and again, on a wicket that wasn't really responsive um, to, to take some early wickets, uh, to have particularly to get those two quick ones straight after tea and, and still have 30-odd overs to, to try and take those last five wickets. We we certainly felt we were in the game and, and the boys had a red-hot crack, but uh, unfortunately couldn't get there in the end. Let's go back to your opening batsman. A lot has been said about Cameron Bancroft and whether the opening will be there at the top of the Australian order. I tell you what, he's ticking all the boxes. Another 91 in this game. And as you mentioned, Sam Whiteman, his opening partner, plundered 188. What a great foundation they gave you. But maybe a bit more specific on how Cameron Bancroft is batting out there and, of course, in the nets because you've been across him for a number of years. Yeah, I think we are all aware that David Warner's retiring sometime through uh, the test summer and that an opportunity is going to come up. And uh, I think Cameron's done everything he possibly can over the last uh, two years, really. Uh, He he was the leading run scorer in Shield cricket by the length of the straight last year. And uh, he, he started in fine fashion this year with 100 in the first game and He'll probably be kicking himself. He didn't get 100 in this game as well. But um, he, he's batting beautifully at the moment. Uh, he's, he's really nicely balanced at the crease. He's confident in his game plan. And um, he's really consistent in, in the output that he's giving us at the moment. And again, in, in partnership with Sam Whiteman, I think those two over the last three or four years have, have given us a really solid foundation in chill cricket with their opening partnerships and, and they're able to do it once again. But, uh, yeah, in answer to your question, I, I don't think Cameron can do much more than what he's doing at the moment. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of the uh, newer players in the WA side. Now, Liam Haskett, I remember his daddy used to play waffle football for East Perth and yesterday, 11 overs, four maidens, two for 17. Uh, a very handy addition to the WA long-form game. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've we brought Liam into the squad this year. Uh, we, we had him down training with us at the back end of last season and have been really impressed with the way that he's gone about it. He's a big boy. He's, he's a lot bigger than his dad. He's, he's six foot seven and 
um, and bowls a pretty heavy ball and, and left arm. So uh, he's got his opportunity at the start of the year with with a couple of injuries and with the international selection that we've faced uh, so far this season. But, uh, yeah, we've been really pleased with the way that he's gone about it. And, and to get those two quick wickets yesterday, I think he's just gaining confidence uh, every time he, he bowls. And, um, yeah, I think we're going to see some really good stuff from Lamp. I reckon we're going to see a lot of uh, good stuff from Corey Roccaccioli as well going forward. Uh, bowled a lot of uh, overs in this match and returned dividends as well. Took a couple of wickets late yesterday as well. Where do you think his pathway is uh, and what you've seen so far from the young spinner? Yeah, I've been really impressed with Corey as well. I think he's he's now taken 12 wickets in, in two games and, and those two games have been at the Wacker Ground, which isn't notoriously all that spin-friendly. So... Uh, Corey get, keeps getting better and improving and, and I think he's uh, enjoyed the, the not the luxury but the benefit of playing every game over the last couple of years and I think we've seen his confidence growing and uh, he's a tall right arm off spinner who gets really good spin and bounce in particular at home and um, we, we saw him go toe to toe with Todd Murphy a week or so ago and, and, and bowled really nicely and uh, I mean, Nathan Lyon is Australia's test spinner at the moment, but can't go forever. And I think the way that um, Corey's going and the trajectory of his career at the moment, um, in, in a year or two, or whenever that may be, that that opportunity presents, then um, he's he's doing everything right at the moment as well. Where's Cooper Connolly at, uh, Adam? Yeah, Cooper's Cooper's going well. He, uh, he He's out of his moon boot now, and, uh, and the stitches are out of the Fullerton. Uh, he just needs to get a little bit of training load in now, make sure that the, the foot can uh, handle it. He does have a little fracture in one of his toes, but um, I don't think that's going to hold him back too much. And we're certainly hopeful that we'll see him, probably not in Premier Cricket this weekend, but we're, we're certainly hopeful for next weekend. Well, that's encouraging. Can I ask you about Cameron Green? Uh, we've seen him replaced in the Australian World Cup uh, team by another West Australian, Marcus Stoinis. Of course, he sort of burst on the scene in a blaze of glory and he's still a young man at 24 years of age and many feel that he's probably in some ways a bit of a shadow of his former self. Uh, Have you spoken to him at all? Is it a case of he's just tired and the body just needs a rest? Yeah, I I haven't seen much of him because he hasn't been home for a long time. But, um, yeah, look, in the brief conversations that I have had with Cameron, um, he's yeah. Look, he's been away for for a lot of a lot of time, and he's played a lot of cricket in the last twelve months. But um, he uh, yeah. Look, he, that that's the nature of being an international cricketer and being an all rounder. And and you make a good point that he, he's still only twenty four years of age, and um, I think his best cricket is still ahead of him. And um, he's he's still learning the game as well, albeit on the international stage. So um, every cricketer, I think, has their ups and downs within their career. Um, Cameron's just battling a little bit of form at the moment. Um, I've got no doubt that a bit of time at home won't, won't hurt that. But um, again, that won't be until uh, at, the end of the, um, at the end of the World Cup. So hopefully if, if the opportunity does present that um, we, we can see the best of Cameron at the back end of the World Cup. Uh, if not, I'm sure we'll see him throughout the Test summer. And you're not surprised you're taking a break from the BBL? No, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah, look, he he was open and, and upfront with us that um, that if he wasn't in the Test squad, that he might use, he will use that time to have a bit of a break. Um, and should uh, he feel up to it um, that and he does want to play some big bash cricket, then we still have 
the means to bring him in as a replacement player. But, um, yeah, look, he, he, he's indicated that he wasn't comfortable to, to sign a contract knowing that he, he probably would want a break at that time, which is fully understandable. Uh, albeit we would have loved to have seen him in orange, um, perhaps, uh, perhaps this time next year instead. Okay, good stuff. All right, Adam, thanks for that, and thanks for bringing us up to date. Uh, uh, the Shield games come thick and fast. You're on the road for your next Shield game, I think, against South Australia before they come back here. And as we said, uh, it comes thick and fast. You must be really happy the way the season has started, both in the Marsh Cup and, of course, at the Sheffield Shield, uh, from what has been just an, a mind-blowing last couple of seasons for WA Cricket. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, on the back of the success that we've had, uh, you, you always want to start the season well and I think with a, a number of the senior players that we've had missing at various times throughout the start of this summer, with, uh, we haven't seen Joel Paris or, or Matt Kelly yet um, Lance Morris is being managed, we haven't we've seen Jai Richardson for one game we've seen Hilton Cartwright for one game so what it has done is it, it's um, it's given opportunity to a few of the young guys that we've spoken about in, in Liam Haskett and Jaden Goodwin and Cooper Connolly and it's been brilliant to see these young guys take their opportunity and perform really well. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can continue that in Adelaide next week. South Australia have had a good win against New South Wales during the week and uh, they'll be a good opposition. But, um, yeah, nice to see a couple of young guys come in and, and start this season well. And, and, yeah, like I said, hopefully we can continue that next week. Yeah, continue good times for WA Cricket. We're really enjoying it uh, from the other side of the fence. Thanks for joining us, Adam, and we'll keep in touch. Thanks, Peter. Cheers. Yeah, Adam Vage is joining us here on Sports Day WA for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Now, you can join us on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736, or even give us a call, 13 12 55. A couple that have come through. We're talking, actually, in the run home about players that have gone from the West Coast Eagles to Fremantle and vice versa. And most haven't been sort of the real big names, but uh, Wes and Dinella said, well, David Hines went to Frio as a West Coast Eagles premiership player, which is a good pickup there, Wes. And Simon of Claremont says, after talking about the NRL and the lack the likelihood now of Papua New Guinea being the 18th franchise in the NRL and leaving Perth and Western Australia again in the outer. Pete, what sort of average crowd would be required here to make an NRL team viable? And do you think it's achievable? Well, it's interesting. Uh, my great production team have gone back and looked at the statistics. Now, when the Western Reds were in the Super League competition, the average home crowd, and they played at the Wacker between 1995 and 1997, was 10,231. And when you look at the NRL, they certainly do not get the crowd numbers that the AFL does because they play a lot of their games at suburban grounds. Like Manly plays at Manly Warringah and we see the likes of you know other uh, grounds being played at as well. They don't have the huge capacity that the AFL, because the AFL basically uses the MCG, uh, what was it called, Marvel Stadium, uh, even Geelong now is being redeveloped. You know, Adelaide Oval, Optus Stadium, it's big, big grounds. In the NRL, they do still embrace. They do play, of course, at Acor Stadium, which is the Olympic Stadium and uh, Parramatta Stadium and some of the others, but they still also play games very much so at suburban grounds and even take the matches to country uh Grounds as well, but anyway, ten thousand two hundred and thirty-one, and I reckon you know that's a that's a fair-sized crowd. So, if they did come back in, 
take it in consideration that was nearly 30 years ago, you'd probably look at a crowd, I reckon they'd probably get between 10 and 15 per game. Uh, if it's sort of a game that we see every couple of weeks. But as we've seen in the one-off games, the people certainly come in big numbers. So thanks for that, Simon of Claremont. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, uh, we'll come back with the top seven sports stories of the week. And during the break, get on the temper of bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. What's been the biggest story of the week? Come on, see if you can pick it. We'll count down seven to one next here on Sports Day WA.